Hello, welcome to the Richard Herring podcast feed powered by ACAST Plus. Thanks so much for listening to these. Do tell your friends if you enjoy them. The Can I Have My Ball Back Tour is back on the road this week. We're in London on the 7th in the Bloomsbury Theatre and Leicester Square Theatre on the 9th. I've got quite a lot of tickets to sell for both of those, so if you're in London, please come along. Then the 13th in Cambridge, few tickets left for that one. Uh, Leicester on the 14th, Leeds on the 15th. Uh, Salford on the 16th, Newcastle on the 17th, which is sold out on the website, but I think there might be a few more tickets to release. Uh, So do come along if you want to see me talk about my balls and one of them not being here anymore. It's a very funny show. Four star reviews in the Telegraph and the Standard. Um, Anyway, look, let's sit back, relax and enjoy another fantastic podcast from Richard Herring, the genius podcaster. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who was hoping to have a bridge named after him, sort of. It's Richard Herring! Thank you very much. Hello, my finest friends. Thank you very much. Welcome back. It's uh, Series 26 of uh, Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Uh, I was talking to the original Paul McCartney the other day, the, the one who died in the car crash in 1966. Not the rubbish replacement who wrote Get Back in Three Minutes. That prick. The real... The real Paul McCartney would have taken his time over that and made it good. <laughs> anyway, the original Paul McCartney calls it Rallastabas. I, I don't know if that's going to catch on. So, yes, a new series. We're back. We haven't been cancelled yet. Uh, still possible. Uh, and a new notebook is the Jurassic World. Ooh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Jurassic. I'm still trying to pitch a Jurassic World film where nothing goes wrong and everyone just looks at the dinosaurs. <laughs> I would, is it just old age? And the, I like the zombie films. They just kill all the zombies and, and make society nice again. <laughs> Am I the only one who wants that? I find it, I find it too tense. <laughs> uh, look, we've got some fantastic guests coming up uh, in this series. Um, uh, I mean, even just next week, we've got Fern Brady. But uh, there's... Uh, <laughs> uh, we. <laughs> Uh, some of it sold out, uh, Tim Key and uh, Josh Widdicombe uh, on the uh, whatever's seven days away from now. Uh, on the 6th of March, announcing this for the first time, you can go to and buy tickets if you're in the theatre. Mark Gatiss will be 
uh, one of the guests on the 6th of March, so do book ahead for that. Uh, 13th of March is Sarah Millican and uh, Jordan Gray. Uh, and the 20th March, we've got Suggs from Off of Madness. It's going to be... Come on. I mean, the, the, the room is going to be full of men in their 50s and 60s. <laughs> but it's going to be great. Uh, and, uh, you know, we had, uh, um, sadly, uh, I wanted to give a little shout-out to Terry Hall, who sadly died uh, last year. Uh, but uh, I'm sure we will talk about Terry uh, with Suggs as well. Um, uh, yeah, look, uh, for the 31st consecutive year, I am not uh, nominated for anything at the British Comedy Awards, so thank you for that. Uh, I was on the long list. The podcast, uh, welcome, was on the, was on the long list. A couple of nerds in the anoraks coming in there. <laughs> You can all laugh. You're all wearing them. Um, uh, I was on the longest, but I didn't get, uh, I didn't get voted. It was a shame. I haven't been for 31 years to the British Comedy Awards. But then I realised that it's voted for by the public, so my failure to get nominated is your, your fault, you fucking cunts. <laughs> However, I am, more importantly, I'm attempting to get a bridge in Great Yarmouth named after me. There's, uh, the, the North that Council has done a poll for a new bridge in Great Yarmouth, a place I don't think I've ever been. Uh, I don't think I've ever played there. Uh, uh, they've got multiple choice, and it's online, and you're allowed to vote as many times as you want. <laughs> and I don't think that many people will be voting in this one, so I think, uh, I think my nerds might come through. So the choices are the Britannia Bridge. That's not a good name, is it? That's no good. Uh, the Queen's Gate. I mean, it's not even a gate. It's a bridge, so that one's not going to... That's rubbish. The Yare Bridge, which I think is uh, sort of pirates. The Yare Yare Bridge, I think that's for them. Uh, King's Bridge, without an apostrophe, so that can't be... And Herring Bridge, I can't believe they've... uh, can't believe they've put that in, so... uh, I will go to the opening if it's it's Herring Bridge and and try and do a speech. Uh, 31st of January is the deadline on that, so Google it if you're watching live. Uh, and uh, go and join in and, and vote for that. That would be lovely. Oh, and people in the theatre, um, there are some buckets for the Red Cross. Uh, the uh, theatre did a fantastic benefit for, the, for Ukraine on, on last Saturday, uh, and so if you would like to give some money to that tonight, uh, there are buckets on the bars. Anyway, let's crack on. We've got a fun, brand new series. Fantastic returning guests. No one thought this would ever happen. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably best known... I think this is too good, so I'm going to do two. He's probably best known as Wheatley in Portal 2, though it turns out that is a really big deal. So he's also best known as the man with the broken leg in Run, Fat Boy, Run, which we may have talked about last time. Will you please welcome the incredible Stephen Merchant, ladies and gentlemen. Stephen Merchant. Thank you. Come in, pick up the... There's a mic... Ah, beautiful. Stephen Merchant. Thank you very much for we, having me. That's, well, look, thank you for, thank you for coming. I think everyone wants to thank you for coming back. Well, we're already off to a good start. You, <laughs> you didn't introduce me as a paedophile. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a win as far as I'm concerned. That's one up. What's that, sir? It's one, it's one up, isn't it? Yeah, one up on last I want to apologise. I, I was a very immature, young, 46-year-old man <laughs> when you yeah. last came on. And now I am 55 and I'm a lot more mature. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, hope we, I, did a, I did a podcast recently with Sally Phillips, who I used to go out with, and we split up and it was a little bit difficult. And then she came and did a podcast and it was a reconciliation. So oh, that's nice. I, so I'm hoping that this will 
Yeah. Would be similar. Why did you and Sally break up? <laughs> did you call her a paedophile and then <laughs> and then insult some of her work and generally make the atmosphere strange? Or <laughs> pretty much. It's pretty much pretty. pretty Can much. I ask you what your perception is of our last encounter? Because I'm interested to know what your take is. Well, I would... Because I've never listened to it, so I, I, don't have a, I don't have an objective opinion. I, I only think... have a sense memory of it. Yeah. We did cut some bits out, Rich Steve. Oh, yeah. did you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you cut out the awkward stuff, so it's about four minutes long. <laughs> so what is your memory of it? You seem to be... Why are you evading the question? <laughs> I well look, I, I that night, very unusually, we recorded two podcasts in the same <laughs> night, and uh, Simon Pegg was the other guest you may remember, which was so it was yes. quite a big deal. We had two big yeah. Hollywood superstars. Yeah. I'm being nice. <laughs> <laughs> One of whom, no, uh, <laughs> and I was really worried about upsetting Simon because I thought he, uh, you know, you and I had spent a bit of time at gigs and stuff, and I was wor- I hadn't seen Simon for a while. And I was worried about being inappropriate with him. Yeah. And so I'd concentrate really hard on being, <laughs> being good with him. And then you came on and uh, I don't know what happened. I kind of lost, yeah. lost my mind a little bit. That's it, is it? Yeah. That's, that's, I think, I think that's, was, that's the apology, is it? <laughs> so was, there was also a joke I think you took the wrong way that I meant to, as a joke I went to myself, which I think you... I think that was, that was one of the moments it sort of... It turned a bit. Let me tell so you. Are you my... just trying to bring it up again, and so we have. Let me tell you my perception. Yeah, okay, you give me your. My feeling was that I had gone back to stand-up comedy after a long time, and I yeah. and you were very, very supportive in that. And I nice saw time. you on the comedy scene, and you were very helpful, and you even had lunch with me one time, and you gave me lots of good tips and clubs to try out material and things like that. And then you said, "Would you come down and do my <laughs> podcast?" And I had nothing to promote, and I had no reason to come. Other than being, you know, thanking you, in a sense, for your <laughs> generous help with, with yeah. the return to stand-up. <laughs> and so I, you know, tooled down, <laughs> thinking this will be a nice, fun showbiz chat. And then you just went really weird. <laughs> and, and sort of, it was odd. And, I, and, then, and then I think you were, then we came off, and you, you sensed that there was an energy. <laughs> And then you said, oh, sometimes when I'm on stage, I play a character. <laughs> and I thought, oh, do you fucking Ali G? Because <laughs> you didn't mention it to me beforehand. And this character's very similar to you. <laughs> no funny voices. So... <laughs> Inevitably, it just it was a strange encounter. It was a strange encounter. I felt very bad. I don't like to upset guests. Well, it's happened a couple. <laughs> it's happened a couple of times. We might yeah. talk about one of the other guests later. Um, but and I felt very bad for about a week, and then I got over it. Yeah, that's yeah. that's fine. <laughs> Are we going to be okay for the rest oh, of this I, one? Oh, listen, please. I haven't thought about it since. <laughs> So, which, which of my projects do you want to slag off to start with, or do you, do you just... We'll build to what you we'll don't build like. To, we'll, yeah, build we'll build to, to what you uh, don't like. Yeah. We'll, start, we'll start... Well, let's talk about um, Portal <laughs> 2, first of all, which I haven't, pl- I haven't played, but it, I understand right. 
that Wheatley is pretty... I saw a little man, I saw a man talking about it in a video. Yeah. So you played a sort of <laughs> a sort of camera robot. Yeah. 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 Uh, I play a sort of giant floating eyeball yeah, that's it, yeah. that guides you around um, a, um, a a virtual world. And um, I've also not played the game, so <laughs> can't expand much on it from there. I don't really know what happens. I know people are big fans of the game and yeah. they like it and someone made, made me a knitted toy version of the character once and people have drawn fan art and stuff and so um, it's very well loved, I think. Yeah. But, um, no, definitely much... that's why it wasn't a good... It wasn't a good to- but, the, you know, the thing, the problem with you, Stephen, yeah. is you've been very... <laughs> you've, been, you've been very successful right from the start, so you haven't... Usually I can pick out something embarrassing that someone's done. Okay. But, <laughs> to be honest, I, it should have just said the last time you appeared on this. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but how's it been going since then? Has it's it been all right, yeah, it's been good. Yeah, I think if anything, it helped the, oh, did it? the oh, legend yeah. of the podcast. Yeah, because that was early days, wasn't it? it I think was. you'd only done about 30 podcasts. Yeah, I think it was, there was a few. It was maybe for the third series, but they were short yeah. series, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's been going on. Well, I'm still doing it. Well, I think uh, you congratulations know, to you. Well done, mate. Still oh, here yeah, 10 years on. You've no, been terrific. Off. Thank you. No, 10 years is, yeah, no, 10 years is fantastic. And that's what I, I like to do every 10 years. I like to come out, uh, give up an evening to, um, to sit with you while you, you insult me. So um, here we are again. It's great. No, you haven't, you haven't insulted me. <laughs> Not yet, but, no, I, you know. No. We're building time. Give me time. Yeah. Give me time. It should be fun. Um, let's talk about John Cleese. I like, I, I, this, is, yes. well, this is quite interesting. You're a big fan of John Cleese as a, Love John a young Cleese. man. Yes, Big fan of John Cleese. You yeah. know, you've never met. Have you met him yet? You've never, never met, met Cleese. Never met John Cleese. No, my parents got close to Cleese yeah. once. They were on a they were on a cruise, and um, and Cleese was giving a talk on the cruise, and they a big they knew I was big Cleese fans, and they sure. thought they'd go along and get his book signed and say, you know, Steve Merchant, you know, he's our son, and he's a big fan of you. But it was my parents, so they they went. They're on a cruise. Remember for for ten days, they went on the wrong night because <laughs> um, there's so much else to do on a cruise, and so. Um, they missed him, but they very sweetly managed to get a message to him. And they came, uh, and then they, came, they, they, they videoed this uh, answer phone message that he left in their cabin. And when I, came, when, when I went to see them, when they came back, they played it for me very excitedly. And it's great, because it's like this kind of shaky camera footage. And they're like, is it on, Ron? Is it on? Yeah. <laughs> and um, they play this message, and, and Cleese comes on the message, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry you missed the gig, um, but um, are you, you know, missed, are you uh, Stephen Merchant's parents? Because yeah. um, I'm a big fan of his work, and... Um, and uh, I'm happy to sign a book and da 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 da. And that yeah. was, isn't that lovely? Of them? It I is lovely. That I'm was so, as close as we got to. I'm as surprised as got you to haven't me. met. I mean, you, you know, you've been moving in that, those sort of circles. I'm sort of surprised you hadn't met him before, but you're yeah. sort of happy not to because it was because he's from Western Supermare, isn't he? Well, he's Western Supermare. He was very tall, and yeah. obviously, he was uh, used his physicality in his comedy. And yeah. I think when I was growing up, that seemed like a good thing to sort of model there weren't a lot of very tall no. comedians to model yourself on you know what i mean and um i tried a bit of sort of norman wisdom but i didn't have the <laughs> the sort of physique for it there's a reference for the kids and um and so uh yeah so cleese was always a big hero yeah definitely but i never um i never met him no, no. have you met him no i haven't i'm trying i want to get him on here he's been you know he's a slightly controversial figure oh is he? The, yeah he's you know he's he's he goes on GB News now. Oh, is he? So you'd think I could get him on here. <laughs> <laughs> We've got more viewers than he has. Um, but, you know, he sort of complains about, you know, not being on TV anymore and stuff. And what's your view on the kind of don't meet your heroes? Well, I met I I, Michael Palin was my always, right. nearly always my favourite p- python. I, I did like John Cleese when I was 
when I was little, and then I yeah. kind of moved over to Palin. Uh, and I met him, and he was... Have you met him? He's... I've only met him very briefly yeah. in, a, in, a, in a corridor, again, with my right. parents. Right. <laughs> and um, my mum, like many mums of a certain age, I think, when he did his travel shows, had a real soft spot, a bit of a crush on Michael Palin. Yeah. And so uh, I ran into Palin in this corridor, and I was with my parents, and I said, uh, oh, these my parents, um, and they're big fans. And my father immediately, having never met him before, immediately walked up and went, good to meet you, Michael. My <laughs> wife's in love with you. <laughs> <laughs> and he was very sweet about it. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, that's... he was very nice. So I'm very. Good. I, di- I didn't call him a paedophile. That might have been the. Well, that's, that might have been... that's always a great uh, <laughs> might have way been to start. Good start, yeah. but uh, no, he was terrific. So yeah, I think you know it's difficult to know, isn't it? Difficult to know whether it's whether it will be a good meeting or a bad. I mean, you're mixing. I mean, it's what's really interesting about you is that you're you're you know you you feel very much ours still, and your outlaws the outlaws is set in Bristol. You're very proud of your upbringing and, and British, but you also are over in Hollywood and working with The Rock and yeah. uh, all these different people. Um, who's, what, what people have you, have you, have you met that, uh, that you were sort of in awe of, do you think, before? Uh, I think, I um, don't know about you, but the more you do these jobs, the more you realise, I don't know, it's, I find it harder to retain... Uh, a, a kind of and I and I I find it harder to idolise people now yeah. because even if the people I've met that I admire invariably there's something about them that you don't like or they say something you're like oh that's a bit you know what I mean <laughs> yeah, or they, yeah. or they're just kind of they're just a bit weird or they're just a bit difficult or whatever so I I so no what there's no one that I'm sort of in awe of now but yeah. there are people that I, I've never worked with and I've only met in passing that I still I saw uh, David Lynch the director once okay, and yeah. I. And I just did that thing where I literally went over and said, I don't want to interrupt you, Mr. Lynch, but I just um, want to say, you know, I'm a huge fan of your work. And then I left, and I realised in that moment that it was just for me. Like, it, all, it kind of didn't mean any... What did it mean to him? It's just somehow yeah. you and your teenage self needed to say it out yeah. loud, you know, to just, just I don't know, what, to, make, to make, it believe, make it real that you'd sort of encountered it. I think it's him, worth... You know? do, I mean, I, did, I, I didn't... I once stood behind Rick Mail in a petrol station, and he was my absolute yeah. comic hero. And I didn't say anything to him, and I really re- regret not just having that op- one opportunity to just go, yeah. hey, thanks, <laughs> and the, that would have been all right, wouldn't it? The largest, the, the biggest humble brag, not even a humble brag, the biggest brag I can ever... T- I don't think I've ever mentioned this before, but I ran into once a comedian called Bobcat Goldthwait. Do you oh, know yeah. the comedian yeah. I mean? He was in Police Academy and things like that. And he was very close friends with Robin Williams. And he sa- I ran into him somewhere once, and he said to me, oh... I was having dinner once with Robin Williams and you were sat next to us on a date <laughs> and Robin Williams said to me, oh, that's this British guy. He's pretty funny, that guy. <laughs> and, and I said, oh, Robin, you should say something. And Robin Williams said, no, I don't want to bother him. He's on a date. <laughs> and never said anything and I never met him and then he died and I was like how would how would Robin Williams leaning over saying I'm a big fan be a problem on a date Where, how did he think that was going to go wrong for me so uh, it, you know it sort of I think it's it feels I'm glad that it feels like this and I'm sure it isn't like this, but it just sort of feels like you're Bristol's Stephen Merchant and you being in that Hollywood world it sort of it feels like a, a sort of slight disconnect, you know what I mean? Between because I think you you seem realer, <laughs> you seem like more down to earth than some of those Hollywood stars. Yep. And you, 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 is it, 
I've sort of read a story about you going to a party and walking through a, a window and stuff like that. So you've, yes. you know, if, if, are you yes. are you managing to be cool amongst no. all these people? <laughs> no, no. Uh, that was a party thrown by the comedian Sarah Silverman. Okay. And uh, I'd gone there, not invited by her. I just went with a friend. And um, there was, uh, you know, because pot is, was, uh, I don't know if it was legal at the time, but it was certainly, you know, popular. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and there was some uh, pot brownies. And uh, someone said, uh, do you want some pot brownie? And I thought, yeah, sure, because I'm six foot seven, you know. <laughs> how, how, how was that going to affect me? And I, and I ate this pot brownie, and I immediately fell inside myself like I f- my memory is that it was like I was trying to peek out through my own eyes but I'd sort of shrunken inside myself and um I went and looked in the mirror at myself for a while because that's the thing you want to do when you're really stoned is stare into your own soul and then I sort of remember I went out and I sort of lie I sort of lay down for a bit but I'm six foot seven so I took up like three couches and people were like moving me out the way and then someone introduced me to to um Gary Shandling, oh, wow. the comedian, but I don't remember anything we said. <laughs> and then the next thing I knew, I thought, I'll get some air. And I went to walk outside to get a breath of fresh air. And the next thing I knew, an entire six-foot uh, plain glass window was smashing all around me. And I was, like, looking back into the party, and everyone was staring at me, and glass shards were falling around me. And you realise that you don't have any sort of social training... <laughs> For that. Do you know what I mean? You know, like, what do you do? Do you just go, ta-da? <laughs> like, I had no... And then I just remember, then it's just like snippets. I remember kind of someone ordering me a cab, and then I remember being in the lobby of this apartment block because I was trying to wait for this cab, and then some new arrivals at the party were walking in, and they didn't notice me. They just, I just heard one of them say, hey, did you hear that some asshole just walked through a window? <laughs> and then I just remember having a gash on my, ha- and then my head, and then, and then I remember thinking, oh, it's America, they're going to sue me. <laughs> So then I wrote an email to Sarah Silverman saying, thanks for the party. Um, don't know if you noticed, I walked through a window. <laughs> and uh, really worried she was going to sue me, but she didn't, thankfully. Did, and you, then, pay, did you pay for the window? Of course not. No, okay. it's, it's, it's <laughs> not made of money. And then she... Um, but then what was weird is even to this day, I keep getting... I keep meeting people who were there <laughs> who have seen different versions of it from different angles. So I'm sort of still piecing it together. Yeah. Someone told me recently that I tripped on a cable, apparently, a TV kind of, you know, cable plug-in. Right. And I tripped and I, and I fell backwards through the window, which wow. is why I, didn't, I wasn't more injured. Yeah. And so I keep hearing kind of you know, stories. To me like you could sue Sarah Silverman. That's what I'm thinking. That's yeah. what I'm wondering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's likely that could have been it. That could have been the right. death of Stephen Merchant. Yeah, or certainly kind of, you know, stood <laughs> up and... Um, so, uh, and that sort of, I suppose, in a way, typified my experience of, of Hollywood, yeah. as you say. Yeah. I mean, there's but a bit... I think I try to project myself yeah. with a cool... When I'm there, yeah. you know, like you reinvent yourself, and then things like that happen, and then you're back to square one. It is, but it's sort of hard to. I've, you know, I'm from the West Country, and it's hard to ma- imagine West Country people in Hollywood. I say that Cary Grant did okay, but like David Prowse and and you, yeah, it's hard to imagine. You, you know, you in a Hollywood party, and that's you know, I don't know if David Prowse, Darth Vader, Green Cross Man. Uh, God, I'm, we are getting old, aren't we? Have you noticed that when you do stand up and some of your references are now too old well, for, yeah. for most people? Yeah, of so. course, normal wisdom. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I, well, I think it's the accent, right? It's the yeah. West Country accent. That, it is. Because that's why people... I saw someone had tweeted recently the, um, the, the David Prowse yeah. when he's doing the voice of Darth Vader. And, you know, it's... Or, I'm, your, I'm your father, Luke. And all that stuff. 
Yeah. Which, I've, and you know, the legend is he didn't realise he was going to be revoiced yeah. by uh, James Earl Jones, and it wasn't until he went to the premiere and he heard that he kind of was heartbroken, which is tragic, isn't it? It is tragic, and it shouldn't be funny. No, I know. Nothing, no one voice isn't better than another. But I've no, I, the one thing I've noticed is that in, a, in America, people don't notice the accent. Right. So they, they just, as far as they're concerned, I sound like Hugh Grant. <laughs> <laughs> so, but so. It's, it's, like, it's sort of, such, it's, it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's a dream come true. Would it, would, would it have been when you were thinking, I want to be a comedian, were you thinking, and ultimately I want to go and be in Hollywood blockbusters and be in the movies? Because to me, that would have seemed... Yeah, like, you know, when I was growing up, I wouldn't have thought, "Oh, I'll go to Hollywood and be in a Marvel movie." They wouldn't have known what that was in 1977. Yes. But, uh, but you know, like it would—that wouldn't have been what I was hoping for. Was that was that what you? Yeah, I think dreamt so. Of? Yeah, I think. But I think it was just to to, to have experienced it. Yeah. You know, like, I don't think I ever thought I was going to be Harrison Ford, but I thought it'd be nice to go there and yeah. snoop around and sure. be involved and, like you say, do a big budget film and realize that. It's really boring, and you don't, you know, <laughs> rush to do it again, and you know, and meet people that you admire, and work with people that you admire, and yeah, definitely. But I don't know what. I, it's funny because I don't know why I thought that might be achievable. Yeah. I think it was the Cleese thing again. I think it was like, well, Cleese had gone off to Hollywood and he'd made films and stuff, and yeah. he was in Cheers. I yeah. remember. Yeah. And I remember thinking, well, he's from the he's from Western Supermare. You know, like <laughs> maybe tall people once in a generation they get that chance. Like I must have had some because I don't think I was an arrogant kid. I just. No. I just must have thought that it was worth trying. It's strange, isn't it? Because it is a very arrogant assumption. It is, but I mean, I think there's a com. Maybe I mean, I, I feel this. I look back at you know the nineties. I think I mean, I was very insecure in a lot of ways, but we just had such confidence that we were the great. You know, that we were the best. Yeah. And that everyone else was was wasn't as good as what we were doing. And you know, but it, you are you are you were you Cambridge or Oxford? Oxford. So, but so it didn't did, really did come that... from that. That didn't really give because that didn't give because I wasn't public school, right? And so Oxford kind of again d- dimmed my confidence, and, and I went to I had a terrible time at the Edinburgh Festival as part of the Oxford Review, which actually kind of crushed me. Yeah. So what I wasn't there was a lot of things I wasn't confident about, but we we had that, which I think reading interviews that you had with the office, which you know turned out to be more justified than fist of fun, but uh, but. You know that you had, you just sort of believed so much in in the. I think having a partner in a partnership, well, that helps, is, isn't it? You just having sort of... a partnership, and I think also just the arrogance of youth, isn't it? Yeah, like you yes. just don't you don't know what you don't know. I mean, we had a meeting. I remember early on with the BBC, and they said, "Oh, this guy's going to be in it. We've never heard of, and you're going to write it, and you're going to direct it. Why would we let you do this?" And I remember saying to them, with not a shadow of irony, "We might be the next Orson Welles." <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think I was thinking. Um, I wasn't thinking, oh, we're definitely as good as Orson was. I think I was thinking, none of us know. Yeah. We haven't done anything. We might be. Yeah. I think there was that weird, it was like a weird inverse arrogance <laughs> of like, none, I'm sort of untried, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, I remember there's a, because there's a phrase in filming um, when you, um, when you, when they start the camera before a take, you know, they say, turn over. Yeah. And that's the, you know, turn over, and that's the sort of terminology. And so I remember on the first day of the office, we never directed anything. I gave a speech grandly to everybody, and I was like, I know we've never done anything before, but don't worry, we, we know all the terms. You know, uh, action, cut, rollover. <laughs> and the first day he went, turn over, I went, turn over. Um, so I, you know what I mean? But obviously we thought we could, and I think it was very quickly we learned it was not as easy as it seemed. Yeah. Um, you know. But at the time, it was like, yeah, of course you should give us a chance. Sure. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. 
Um, and it's, it's in, you know, I think you do need you do need that. I think I think that there needs to be a sort of belief in yourself. And I think again, you did. You know, you were trying something that was new. I can sort of imagine. You know, I can imagine from the similar time with the executives. You know, you you definitely go into those meetings knowing you know more about comedy than the person who's right. Who's going to t- tell you whether you can do your comedy or right, not? Yeah. So, yeah. so it's the you know there is an element of a- a- arrogance there. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Let's talk about uh, The Outlaws, which I thought the first series of was great. Uh, but, um... <laughs> and also the second series is very good stuff. Um, but, uh, I mean, this is, but the, I'm sort of surprised. You've had this in your back pocket, this idea, really, because your parents did the job, right? So it's about yes. people uh, who have done minor crimes... And they're doing community service. Yes, yes. Uh, but your parents worked in that field, you know, not as as people running those places. Yes, they were being at them. Yeah, yeah, they weren't criminals, but they had done. Uh, they yes, they supervised yeah. uh, uh, offenders, as they called them at the time. Yeah. Um, and uh, some some of whom I went to school with, who would come through the ranks. There was one kid. Uh, called Adam, who was the world's laziest thief. <laughs> and I remember he, my mother said to him once, why are you in again, Adam? And he went, oh, I got caught stealing a TV. And what happened was uh, he was stealing a TV from a house and the people, the homeowners came back and they went, Adam, what are you doing? And he went, I'm not Adam. And they went, yeah, you are. You live next door. <laughs> and he couldn't even be bothered to go like a street across. And he was all, and I always remember thinking, even then as a kid, like, we, we, we're all putting our energies into trying to build jobs and careers and lives right. And, like, and you can't even do thieving well. Do you know what I mean? Like you're, not even, you're not even obeying any of the rules, and you're still a shit thief. Yeah. Um, and, and I remember him, and, there was, and my mother would tell me about other people that came through the doors, and I just thought, thought it was an interesting backdrop for a story, right? Because you yeah. you're always looking for reasons to bring people together in TV comedies and dramas and stuff, and people doing community service are so arbitrary. Yeah. You know, and they come from such different walks of life that it just always seemed like an interesting idea. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, that, that, you, you basically got, is it seven 
That's right, it's yeah. sort of like, I mean, it's called The Outlaws, and it's, there's a sort of Western... Right. I mean, a Western and Western theme to it, and it's in Bristol, but it's sort of, you know, like a Sergio Leone film with people from Britain, like with Dave Prowse in it. Well, I always wanted... <laughs> well, exactly, but I thought it was funny that, the, you know, um, in their minds, their, their lives that they're living are... They're the centre of their own movies, right? Yeah. So in their mind, you know, what they're going through is kind of big and adventurous, and even though it's not, and it's quite parochial. And I like the idea of, the, like you say, applying the kind of grand music and sort of calling them the outlaws and making it seem epic, but it's just sort of seven, you know, middle-class people or whatever from Bristol. I quite like that idea of sort of investing it with more, more weight and gravity than it deserves. Yeah. Know? But it is, you know, it's a very... Um, I mean, so just on my point, do you yeah. think that's a very British thing, though? Because, like, again... In America, if you're making shows, they'll make shows about all kinds of towns. And do you know what I mean? And they, yeah. and they just think, yeah, why, why wouldn't we tell you a story about this town? Do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like, not every story is LA and New York. No, and, we, no. and we never think, oh, look at this loser town trying to put itself <laughs> on the map. Do you know what I mean? But again, this is like a kind of British thing, isn't there? Of it is. Of, and, you know, I've always. Why does Bristol deserve to be on TV or something? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I've always wanted to get. Uh, and I've, I've always wanted to get Cheddar into stuff. So I've, I've written about five sitcoms about Cheddar, none of which have been made. But. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but you know, so it's great. No, it's lovely to see Bristol Western Supermare, and it? so it's lovely to see Western Supermare <laughs> uh, Station. I'm going to going to Tem- Temple Meads as well, so it's all nice uh, to, uh, with that. But um, it's um, and I love I'm doing the, ca- the characters are, are, are really great, and they are all different archetypes, different types. But it's also you know what I admired about it. I thought is it's quite challenging. Um, and I know you wrote this with someone else, right? so you've, you've, you've written it with um, Elgin. James, James. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but you know, you're writing about drug deals, and you're writing about uh, yeah. black, you know, black people's lives, and yeah. you know, so it's 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 quite a wide scope. Yes. And even like writing about someone on social, you know, like a social media star, those are quite those are things that could go badly wrong in the in the wrong hands. If you know what I mean? Well, yeah, sure. But we had a, a not just me and Elgin, but a whole kind of writers' room of yeah. people to try and have all those different perspectives kind of covered and. Uh, Elgin himself sort of ran with gangs right, when he was right. growing up and was in jail and, you know, and, and so he's had a lot of experience of that stuff. So, he, you know, I wasn't just kind of jumping into the world of sort of gang culture without any kind of reference points. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's this argument about are you allowed to write about things which, which aren't your direct experience? And I, I don't know, but, but, but we, that's why I tried to bring together like a, you know, a bunch of different people from different yeah. walks of life in order to try and kind of address that. And, and, and I learned a lot from it you know it's sort yeah. of like i remember asking elgin once would would a, would a bunch of gang, gang people in a gang just start sort of you know shooting a gun at like a bunch of sort of middle class people and he said well they might do yeah and i said but but what about the consequences <laughs> and he went but they don't think about the consequences that's why they're in a gang yeah and i was like of course because <laughs> it's like you know what i mean like you come from that sort of cozy middle class world where everything is about the consequences and why you wouldn't do that and why you shouldn't yeah and sort of to, 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 to sort of realize that there are people that just for whatever reason, aren't thinking things through in that same way. It was quite it was somehow a revelation to me. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's very. It, there's a lot of comedy in it, but it is. It's more of a more of a, a drama, thriller, I think. thriller yeah, and a drama yeah. than it is a, a, a comedy. I think so. Yeah. 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 Uh, so you know, it's very. It's impressive. The uh, I've got to be saying nice things about everything. <laughs> but no, I'm, I mean, um, I mean, I, I really love the characters, and I particularly like um, the uh, the Rianne Barreto's character. Mm. Just the journey she takes over the two series is. And that, I suppose, again, in a sitcom, that wouldn't ha- you couldn't have someone whose life, her life completely turns around. Right. From being an A-level student to suddenly kind of getting a taste for yes. crime. Right, right. Um, 
in a sitcom, you wouldn't really be able to do that, would you? Because everyone's sort of got to go back to where they were right. at the start of the episode, more or less. Totally, yeah. So yeah. It's, kind of, it's kind of fun to be able to take... Well, that was I mean, why, yeah, I thought of it much more like a crime thriller or something, yeah. but with some laughs yeah. along the way rather than as a sitcom or something, yeah. you know. So um, I'm quite proud of some of the kind of thrillery plotting, you know, because there's sort of seven characters and we had to, you know, come up with like a heist episode and that was quite fun, just the idea of trying to do Ocean's Eleven, but again, you know, in, in sort of Bristol. Yes. In the suburbs of Bristol seemed quite <laughs> quite fun, you know. And well, let's talk about Christopher Walken, which is kind of an incredible booking yes you know it's sort of like getting marlon brando to be in sorry (laughs) (laughs) yeah how how was this sure how how did this happen (laughs) did you know you didn't know him did you know him before you just no he always wanted to work with me no um no i never i'd never met him no 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 so so do you you write it with him in mind i mean he's a fantastic and it's just you know it's it's just so great to see him walking around in bristol and imagining him Actually, just having to walk around in Bristol yeah, as himself. Right. right, right, right. Yeah. Well, no. He well, he he um doesn't have a phone, uh, cell phone, or a or a um, iPad or a computer or anything. So we had to uh, fax him the scripts. And I'm not joking that we had to sort of dust off an old BBC fax machine. <laughs> I think the last fax that had been sent was um, Prince Andrew's Royal Variety before, uh, Performance <laughs> Invite. And um, we uh, faxed him the script, and he and he liked it. And then I flew to to America to talk to him. And you know, I had to drive up to the sort of this kind of this little town where he lives, and you know, it's quite intimidating. Uh, he was talking about kind of meeting people you admire, yeah. And that's a good example because he plays obviously gangsters and toughs and stuff. So it's quite sort of you know, he's quite sort of got that face and the voice and the whole thing. And yeah. uh, and so I you knocked on the door and uh, he answered it. And then he like some guy had driven me up and he just sent the car away. <laughs> he just drove off, and I was just left with Christopher Walken in this. In his house, and then he, um, the first, I can't do an impression, but the first thing he said to me was, Would you like some of this omelette? And uh, you know that situation where you've just just had a big hotel lunch (laughs) and you're not that hungry. And so I said, I'm I'm good for omelette at the moment, thanks, Chris. And then we sort of sat there, and uh, he's quite, he he would ask, he's quite very slow and thoughtful. So he'd like ask a question, and then I would answer, then he'd ask another question, and I'd answer. And then he'd just sort of stare out into the garden for a bit. Then he'd ask another question. It was like having a conversation. It was like having a conversation in person on Zoom. Do you know what I mean? It felt like we were having. Like he, I wasn't sure if he was, you know, thinking or or buffering. And um, and I was there for three and a half hours, and I was starving. And I said, "Any of that omelette left, Chris?" And, and he served up the omelette, and it was nice and fluffy. And um, he asked some more questions, and then I read in an interview with him subsequently that the deal breaker was that I really liked his omelette, and I asked for, se- <laughs> and I asked for seconds, and he thought I, I need to work with this guy. Yeah. So, um, but I think it's a good example of what you said before, really. It's just like you know, if you told me as a as a young man that I would one day go and you know have omelettes with the guy who shoved a watch up his ass in Pulp Fiction, yeah. I'd have like, no, definitely not. But but I, there it was, and then it was happening, and then he came to Bristol, like you said, and, and yeah. he did it, you know? And it's sort of, oh, yeah, he's an actor, and if he likes a script, he'd consider it, and, and there we were. And it did, you know, and I think at this point in my career, I'm like, yeah, that seems viable. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know it seems, again, it's like, yeah, it, But not? I think also, like, if you don't, you know, it's the, one of those things, if you don't ask, you don't get, That's and so, right. like, if you are, you know, you would just think, oh, there's no way he would do it, you know. You, right. That would, a lot of people would think that, so to... Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's just like, why not? 
yeah. guy, you know, and then, then there he was. And so, because you did this, so lockdown happened in the middle of filming, right? So did, did he yeah. go home or did he stay in Bristol for two years <laughs> waiting, for, <laughs> waiting for the series to No, he, he, he went back and then <laughs> yeah. we would bring him back when we could, yeah. you know, and then he, but he, I've obviously made, I'd sort of, you know, bigged up Bristol to him, yeah. you know, and I, I actually at one point, I said to him, um, when I was trying to pitch it to him, I said, oh, you like Bristol. It's, you know, it's kind of quite, got, got a bohemian side to it and it's quite hilly and it's on the water and there's a big bridge. It's exactly like San Francisco. <laughs> and, um, but obviously I couldn't really even show him the glamour of, uh, of uh, Bristol because it was all locked down. So yeah. he just had to sort of go back to his hotel and, um, and one day he came in and he said, he, do you know that show Naked Attraction? Yeah. I've never seen it, but he came in and he, he found himself watching a sort of naked attraction marathon. <laughs> and he couldn't understand why there were penises and things on, on British TV. He was absolutely baffled by that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, when I was a kid growing up in Bristol, <laughs> never thought I'd be talking to Christopher Walken about naked attraction. Or, indeed, would take Christopher Walken to Stonehenge, yeah. which, which we did. So, um, yeah, but so... Yeah, it's kind of extraordinary. I mean, it's a shame, and maybe you did, but if you, I mean, I'd, I'd quite like to just watch Chris Walken watching walking, Naked walk, Attraction, just being in Brist, just walking around Bristol and not talking to anyone. Yeah, and seeing how he reacted to Britain. That's the sort of another. Maybe we could get, maybe we could do, get him back and do that next time. Yeah, yeah, I suppose that could be Bristol, like a kind of travelogue show. Yeah, and um, but did, he, did he like? He was... Did he like Stonehenge? He did like Stonehenge. Yeah, yeah but again, he's a very quiet man. So we were there for about an hour, and then. He just, out of nowhere, having said nothing the whole time, he just suddenly said, um, apparently, the blue stones have healing properties. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Sorry? And then he, he said to the woman showing us around, can I touch it? And it was so British, she went, no. Nah. <laughs> and I just thought it was amazing, like, they've been there for sort of 5,000 years, and he's, like, never been there, and he's flown over from America, and he's, like, an icon, and she won't let him touch them. <laughs> Like, because no one can touch the stones. Like, you know, I mean, what do they do? Like, take them in at night? Like, garden furniture? I mean, it's... You but... used to be... When I first went to Stonehenge in the 1970s, I went with you my grandparents. Them? You could go right in and... I've got a picture of my granddad sitting on one of the ones... Right, right, right. ...that's yeah. fallen down, so it's kind of... Yeah, I think the damage has been done. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Christopher Walken should be allowed... He should be allowed to, to touch them. Be allowed I think to you touch. can make exceptions. He should. Well, I'll give a spoiler. I think there's a spoiler is out... Uh, at the end of the, the first series, Christopher Walken's uh, character uh, paints over what looks like a real Banksy, which I understand yes. is a real Banksy. So there's a picture, yes. there's a, they're, they're repainting the, the community centre and there's a, so he knocks something down, there's a Banksy, yep. and he's told to paint over it and he does paint over it. Yes, that's right. Yes. <laughs> and it was a Banksy, yes. Yeah. yes. And um, it was reported in a few outlets that, that we had f- stumbled across a ba- Banksy <laughs> and painted over it. <laughs> Which would have been mental. <laughs> so we um, somehow managed to find a go-between because Banksy famously uh, sort of began his career in Bristol, and yeah. there are still Banksies up and around Bristol. And uh, we thought it'd be funny if, as you say, that, that, that Christopher Walken painted over a Banksy within the show, and yeah. that they didn't realise it was so valuable. And, and then we thought, well, we'll just do a fake Banksy. And then someone said, well, why don't we try and get the real Banksy to do it? And so I, I don't know him, and I've never met him. And um, people have obviously said, are you Banksy? <laughs> and uh, I'm neither going to deny or confirm that. <laughs> All I'll say is I'm six foot seven, and a lot of his art is quite high up. <laughs> so, but um, we managed to find a go-between, and then we, we explained the idea to him, and he said, if I can do it, then I will. Where is your location? And then just one morning we came in, and he must have hopped the fence, 
you know, the night before, and, and there it was in the corner, and, right. and we covered it up, and we kept it hidden from all the cast and crew, because we were worried about kind of it leaking out. And then one day, we just were, I went to Christopher in his trailer, and I was like, do you mind painting over a Banksy today? And he was like, yeah, you know, he's, <laughs> he's a man of few words. <laughs> and so then we had to do it really quick, and obviously we only had the one take, yeah. and he is a 78-year-old man. <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever asked, you know, say you're grand to do something, you know, there's a chance you may not get it right. Yeah. So, you know, you're a bit worried, but he nailed it and, and we destroyed the Banksy. I mean, know? how does that, it's sort of KLF like that, right? It is because a bit KLF, it, isn't it? It's sort yeah. of like a, it is still worth loads of money. Yes. Uh, and, but then it, it, in a sense, I mean, Banksy has destroyed some of his own works of art. Well, that's why we thought we'd, he'd like yeah. the idea. And we liked the, yeah. and we, and the argument was that it would only exist in the show. Yeah. And that therefore... It was only it was made for the show and it was destroyed for the show and that was part of the whole thing and that was I think the reason he agreed to do it. But yes, there obviously is a moment where you're looking at it thinking we could hack this off and <laughs> pop down Sotheby's. Um, but uh, but no, we, we yeah, can't we you hack it. off the painted over? I mean, wouldn't people still pay for the painted over? No, because part of the deal was we had to make sure it was destroyed, so we right. had to come in with like you know kind of concrete jackhammers and make sure right. it was fully destroyed. Yeah. I'd still pay for that. I'd still pay for the broken <laughs> yeah. remains. Yeah. Yeah. It is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thrilling moment. We've all dreamt about destroying the Mona Lisa. Well, there you are, yeah. You know, yeah. I'd like to... I'd like to... <laughs> and did to you, blow when that you saw it, did you believe it was real or did you assume it was a fake? The, the Mona Lisa? The, uh, the Banksy. Oh, the Banksy. I, I think I knew it was real. Oh, I think I'd read real. about yeah, it. Yeah. So I think I knew it was real. But I still, it's a ballsy, there's a lot of ballsy stuff in this. I mean, I think I was saying you backstage uh, in the second series, one of the, the characters is smoking crack. And yeah. saying it's pretty good. It's quite, it's, quite, it's quite ballsy. I mean, obviously it is quite good. That's, well, I that's think that's one of, the reasons, so, that's that's one so of its well. appeals, apparently. Yeah. Is that it's, from what people tell me, it's really quite, quite yeah. Moorish. And so I... Um, <laughs> It's a bit like a, it's like a tin of Pringles. <laughs> once you once you pop, you can't stop or whatever. So um, I uh, not to compare Pringles with crack, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, yes. But also, I, I don't know something about those TV shows where you know you're always supposed to kind of wag your finger and say don't smoke crack. And it's like, well, of course you shouldn't smoke crack. Like, what do I need to explain that to you? I mean, if you're going to smoke crack, you're going to do it. I don't think me on a sitcom is going to persuade you one way or the other. I'm not me, sure. It made me want to smoke some crack. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I've never really thought about well, you know it what? Do you know what? Years, <laughs> years ago, I, did, I, in, I was working at Radio 1 and I had to do interviews with uh, people who were doing recreational heroin smoking. Right. Uh, and I interviewed them and all of them described it. With completely separate people, they all described it as being like wrapped in cotton wool. I thought, that sounds lovely. <laughs> that sounds delightful, doesn't it? And so I've always... I mean, I've never done yeah. the smack, but I've always... I can see why... I can Because there's bound to be a reason why it's popular. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's not... And I think that's the thing, is I feel like we, we grew up watching kind of different strokes and things, where people would come <laughs> on and go... Or Grain Chill and go, ooh. Yeah. And obviously that's as it should be, and of course you shouldn't be... I mean, a Grain Chill episode where they're going, you know, smack, you know, give it a try. <laughs> we don't want to preach... You know, let, let you guys be the judge. But um, <laughs> just say, maybe. <laughs> but I just think, I don't know, I feel like for, for an adult show, aimed yeah. at adults, I don't know, the idea that you then have to have, like, a disclaimer going, crack is really bad for you and your teeth yeah. drop out. Well, the whole, you know, the, the whole second series is, because you, you, these characters have started out, you know, not, I mean, they've all done a crime, but often 
none of them are, are nasty people, and yes. they make a decision that they to save themselves, they need to start selling drugs themselves. Yes, and that is, you know, and some of them are going, no, my mum's a drug addict, we're not going to do right. it. Yeah. So it's this choice between, I mean, it's a, it's a big philosophical choice between good and evil, and whether it's okay to be evil for a bit. Yeah, it's you know, and it makes you feel. As a viewer, it makes you feel uncomfortable, as, a, as I'm sure it's meant to. Well, indeed, yeah, yeah. exactly. But I think also because um, the drug debate is always so sort of binary, isn't it? Yeah. So it's like, it's the, the sort of that Daily Mail kind of all drug users and dealers are all evil, and it's this kind of, like, you've all sat down and kind of, you know, <laughs> we're going to sell drugs to kids. Like, and it, as we know, people drift into it for all kinds of reasons, and it's not that sort of, it's not that clear-cut why yeah. it happens. And the consumers are as guilty in a way as the the uh, sellers, right? So it's like, it's a very, very grey area, and obviously some people feel it should be legalised and so on. So I don't know, it just seemed like it's an interesting, it's a naughty idea yeah. about how you could find yourself as a perfectly, what you thought was a kind of, you know, a sort of uh, law-abiding middle-class person suddenly sort of selling selling cocaine. Yeah. Just, that seemed like an interesting... No, it definitely, it definitely is. I think if you do a third series, I'm sure there's a, a chance that will happen. I think it should start with the dean just shooting all of the characters in the head. Okay. The yeah. All right. Because that's what that's what would happen. When he would just, <laughs> that he is would what just, would happen. Yeah. Just, yeah. We yeah. just kill them all, and then I don't. I, I, I'm just giving it's quite you a brief point. series. In well, that that's regard. the starting. That's the starting point. They get gets them in a room and goes right. I've had enough, and shoots someone in the head. Yeah. They're all dead. All right. Well, let's let's park that idea okay. for now, and then. Uh... <laughs> Are you are you a big drug man? Are you a big drug user? I'm not. I'm not uh, Have you ever been a big drugs guy? I've not really been into drugs. I don't. I don't even drink anymore. So God, I've right. stopped drinking. I no. I've, I had. I've had a couple of cocaines in my you life. You have some cocaines, yeah. yeah. A couple yeah, of cocaines, yeah. and I, I the old wacky, wacky. The old wacky, wacky, yeah. Had a bit yeah, of wacky, yeah, wacky, yeah, wacky. Yeah. But never the old smack or the crack. Never had a smack. No. Um, I had half uh, ecstasy tablets. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And how did that go for you? Was that fun? It was all right. That was okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had some magic mushrooms at Glastonbury. Yeah, and nice. The, yeah. And I felt like I was lying. I was lying down on the ground looking at the sky, and it felt like I was in the sky looking at the sea. Oh, that's nice. That's quite nice. Yeah. And and last time you interviewed me, what were you on then? <laughs> <laughs> that was just pure adrenaline. Adrenaline. The, adrenaline, yeah. the love. Of <laughs> hey, look, there's a lot of things to talk to you about. I'm going to ask you a couple of emergency questions. Uh, we, got, we got the main ones in last time. Have you, have you tried to suck your cock in the last ten years? What were the... I can't remember them last you, time. You, you, I asked you if you'd ever tried to suck your own cock, and you okay. hadn't. You no. hadn't the point Still haven't no. tried yet. Sorry about that. That's no, all right. <laughs> uh, I think I asked you about ghosts. I won't ask you that. Is there anything, is there anything you'd like named after you? So I, I want to get the... I've been trying to get the uh, external meatus, which is the uh, aperture at the end of the penis. Oh, yeah. Named after me. We, we, when we were kids, we used to call it something that was... It would now is, is inse- yeah, it's insensitive. And what? Insensitive. I want it to be called the herring's eye. Oh, the herring's eye. Oh, yeah, because it, sort of like, it looks like a sort of fish's mouth, really, doesn't it? But it wasn't okay. because... I'm just thinking, I wondered if it was something to do with the fact your name's obviously abbreviated to Dick and whether that... <laughs> no, it wasn't that, that was something no, to do I just, with it. You know, I think the herring's eye. I've done a lot of work... With the penis, both like practically and yeah. theoretically, I just would like you, to be. Can you suck your own? Or uh, I could, I could, I could get the herring's eye in. I mean, <laughs> back in the day. Now, who is keeping you from naming it the herring's eye? I mean, is there <laughs> is there a committee that's well, very against the idea? No one's stopping it, but no one's taking. Why people have to start using it for it? To, right. 
for then for, then it will go in the dictionary. I've had Susie Dent on. I don't know if I asked her this yeah. directly. I probably did, to be fair. We a waste of time having her on and not asking her. Well, if it's helped, then I'll certainly start referring okay. to her as I. And why specifically that was... Of Just all... think, because the, the name for it we have is not good. I mean, the right. external meatus is not a good name, and the yeah, other yeah. name yeah. is inappropriate. Yeah. So it's there to be named. Yes. Well, good luck. If good it's, luck. You know, because, because it's there, that is why. Yeah, no, I get that's it. Why, I get it. Yeah. That's why I wanted to name no, that. Good luck with that, yeah. Thank you. I would quite like a statue at some point in Bristol. Yeah. I'd like, there is a, there's one of Kerry Graham, so yeah. I wouldn't mind that at some point. Well, that might happen. I mean, that's... It's a lot of bronze, though, isn't it? If it's, it is. It's, well, if it's life-size. <laughs> they yeah. could do a Rick Small version of it. Yeah, that. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd love that. I was a little bit disappointed when I went back to do the second series and there wasn't a sort of ticker tape parade. Yeah. I think it was because it was COVID. Yeah, I it, probably was. it probably was COVID. That's what it was. It will it'll happen. I'm sure it will happen. It'd be nice, though, wouldn't it? Yeah. But, you know, Bristol's very... Have you been? Have you been knighted by the Queen? I haven't, but I don't do enough for charity. This oh, is one of the okay. problems. I'm just, I'm really sloppy with the charity work. Yeah. You know, just find it a lot of effort. <laughs> and I think that's one of the things you've got. To, and I've done some, but I've kept it quiet. Yeah. I've been one of those guys that doesn't make a song and dance about it. And I'm a fool to, I'm a fool to myself, really, because I'd love. I mean, at the very least, a CBE. Have you got anything? No, uh, it's unlikely they're going to give it to you, isn't it? I, uh... I don't. I just mean because you're, you know, because you're quite, because you're talking about penises. <laughs> I know. And, you know what I mean? They did. My my friend, who sadly since died, worked in the Foreign Office, and and um, he uh, was going to suggest because of my international the thing I do on International Women's Day, where I, I'd raise quite a lot of money for refuge because I do, you I do, do a lot for charity. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, he rang up my wife because you have to want it to be nominated so but you can't ask someone if they want to be nominated so he rang my wife to say do you think rich would like uh, to be not nominated yeah. for mbe and my wife said no <laughs> <laughs> and then he died so you know yeah fucker. would you have liked an mbe <laughs> nice to get something wouldn't it It'd be nice to get I don't, you know, it's a, but it's that, it's that thing because it's so... Uh, to Alan Cumming has just given his, given his back. back yeah. I mean, but it'd be nice to have the opportunity to give it back. It'd be nice to give it back, get it, give it back. And then give it back. Just yeah, find yeah. the moment. Or just refuse it. Yeah. And then just sort of mention it occasionally on podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, they offered it. I, didn't, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, I was a long way away from getting it. Right. Um, who is the most right-wing person that you are sexually attracted to? <laughs> Who's the most right-wing person that I'm sexually attracted to? I find them all quite sexy. Yeah. Well, there is that sort of... Isn't there that idea that you should sort of vote left but party with the right? Isn't there that some, <laughs> some phrase like that or something? Because they're always so decadent, aren't they? They're, they're decadent, all... They're mean. Well, yeah, but they're just... They're throwing parties yeah. when we're all locked down and they're just... They can't stop <laughs> having parties and they're all sort of... They're, you know, they've all, they've all got, like, weird drug habits. A lot of them have done the Cokes and the Smacks. They definitely and the, have, yeah. You they know. say we can't do it, and then they do it. That's right, that's right. So um, I'm trying to think. I don't know that... I'm not that familiar with everyone's sort of politics. Okay. Um, Hitler's quite right-wing. <laughs> yeah. Hitler. No, I could never... get you to say that on the podcast. That would prob <laughs> probably get in the newspapers. No, I'm... Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say that I don't find Hitler sexually attractive. Okay. I think that's... I'm going to... I know that I might get some angry tweets... <laughs> I can still have Stephen Merchant considers whether Hitler is sexually <laughs> attractive. <Yeah. laughs> All right, I'll do one more. 
I'll do. I'll, I'll do a nice. I'll do a nice uh, fanciful one. If you, uh, if you could go into a chrysalis like a caterpillar does. It's what a chrysalis. Yeah, and uh, a pu- and pupate. Yeah. And dissolve. The caterpillar dissolves and comes out as a butterfly. You can choose what you're going to come out of that chrysalis as. It can be anything you want. What would you come out of the chrysalis as? Even taller. <laughs> like, properly yeah. mental size. Like, <laughs> nine foot. Like, nine foot tall. I mean, it must be annoying to get so tall, but not be the tallest person That's ever. right. It really is galling. Yeah. 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 Like, I've gone to basketball games in America, and I like going to basketball games because I'm among my people. <laughs> but they're all, like, seven foot. They're seven foot two. They're yeah. giants. I'm, I'm, I feel like a titch. So I quite like the idea of being really even tall. taller. Yeah. 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 What about you? What's your? I would like to be really. T- I'd like to be five foot ten, though. I'd, I'd be happy with that. Well, that's that's a good height because obviously I've been most people's heights. Yeah. And, um, it's a great. It's a good time. It's a great time, and I can, I can tell you right now, five ten's good. But if, if there's anyone out there, the, I would say the best height to be a, as a man. Yeah. Six four. Right. Excellent height. I don't know if there's any six fours in. Yeah. Terrific height. Most things you can still buy, shoes, clothes, everything. Beds are still the right fit. But it's, yeah. very, it's a very masculine height. You take a lot of control. And then six five, it's, you're all right. Okay. And then six six, you're like, this, slow down now. This is mental. <laughs> and then six foot seven is just a joke. It's, just a, you know, it's, it's absurd. It's really, really annoying. Well, um, you, might, you might still grow. It might be a spurt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping for a spurt. Um, Not. But look, there's so much else to talk to talk to you about. Um, I, lo- I love doing in, in Jojo Rabbit. That was amazing. No, I love that film. Talking of Hitler, played yes. <laughs> a Nazi, uh, and you, you seem to be going sort of into some se- more serious roles. You did um, the uh, Four Lives, which yes. was obviously a very serious. Yes. Is that is that is that was that always on the agenda or is? It... Uh, I just think as time's gone on, I felt. Um, I don't know, more confident as an actor. Yeah. And uh, so that someone offered me the chance to play that character, Stephen Port. I, I say character, he's a real a real person yeah. and a real murderer who's in jail. And it was a very serious role and no humour in it. And obviously I was kind of uh, nervous about that and taking on something like that. And um, and I and I hope I did a good job. And it was, but it was really, uh, it was, I, I enjoyed it. I don't mean it's not enjoyable to play a killer, but it's enjoyable to have the challenge of that. And, what I realise is you don't know what a killer is thinking. You have no sense, having not been able to speak to them and not wanting to speak to them. You've no idea what their brain is thinking at any moment. And so when you're playing it, you sort of have to, in a sense, write in your head what you think they're thinking. And so in the way that I find writing very nutritious and meaty and kind of challenging, I found that was the first time I found acting kind of equally stimulating, I think, in that way. So I wouldn't mind doing some other serious stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, you know... Someone else will kill a load of people. You can play it. <laughs> <laughs> <That's gross. laughs> Who's also tall and a bit weird looking? I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe if you killed some people, then yeah. you could play yourself and know what you felt like when you killed the people. Probably going, oh, this is horrible. Why am I doing this? Sure. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I'm beginning to sense why those sitcoms set in Cheddar aren't getting made. I... Look, I just said all the characters should die in the first right. minute. Yeah, and that I should commit murders <laughs> to get... Yeah. Um, uh, uh, you were on uh, uh, the uh, Logan. Yes. 
you played Caliban. Yes. I haven't seen this one. Is there any relation to Caliban from The Tempest? Which I, uh, uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's probably no. named after him okay. in some, some, uh, yeah. some distant comic book. Somewhere. You worked with uh, Richard E. Grant on that, that film. I did. Yeah, I did. That, my interview with him went... went well, I thought it went well, actually. But oh, he, what happened with he the... Wouldn't, he wouldn't let me put it out. Oh, goodness, right. Yeah. What, what had you done? I don't know. I didn't even call him a paedophile. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh... Yeah, I mean, he hasn't mentioned it to me. I, don't know what you... <laughs> I think it was after. I think it was after you would you'd work with him. Yeah. You see him again. What, what, him. I'm interested to know what you had done. I don't, I don't think I did anything. There's people here who were there. It was good, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, how have you? What have you? I mean, you've done like 450 of these yeah, now. Done a lot. Yeah, I mean, probably over 500 if you include everything. Yeah. And yet you are consistently offending guests. <laughs> it's quite. A, <laughs> I mean. It's a wonder well, you're upset, still... I'm upset if I've upset him. A, because, like, he's sort of out of my normal remit. Yeah. So, like, I thought, if it goes well with him, then, I, you know, I might get some other big Hollywood yeah. stars and stuff yeah, coming yeah. into it. Um, but, you know, he, I don't know. He, he wouldn't say... He, wouldn't, he hasn't said, really said. Yeah. I mean, they said loads of reasons, but none of, then I would question all the reasons, and then they go, oh, no, that, you still right. can't put it out. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I think you've got to just take a, a long look at yourself, really, yeah. and just... <laughs> You know, wonder is it his fault or is it yours? That's I suppose right. is the question. Yeah, yeah I will. I will. Th- I'll do that yeah. later. I'm going to have a good, hard look at myself. Um, yeah. So walking in Bristol, it could be like walking in Bristol. Could do that. Could be the theme tune yeah. to it. Should we wrap this up now? No, or yeah, you, or... <laughs> could do. Really do you want to start? Do you want to start insulting me now? I feel like. <laughs> I feel like you're building to it. We no, just no. haven't got there. <laughs> just seeing if there's anything else that I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah. I'm going to ask. I'll ask you another emergency question. Sure. That's what they're here for. What's your What was your favourite interview that you've done in all those? I mean, ones? I think Michael Palin. Was it Palin? Yeah, because yeah. he was so nice and it, and he was you know everything that I wanted. Yeah. You know he's he's. You're really good too, Stephen, but he's, uh, sure. he's, my, he's my sort of hero, comedy yeah. hero. No, I'm interviewing him for the Bristol Slapstick. Oh, yeah, 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 great. Yeah, and yeah. I, I've no, I mean, again, except for that brief encounter, I've never yeah. spoken to him before. He's really good. What I liked about him was he was very keen to just do old sketches and stuff, which, like, a lot of people, you know, like, right. he, would, he would start quoting bits of old sketches, which you'd think if yeah. you're in Monty Python, you go, I do not want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not right. going to do the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> I'm not, not going to do it again. Are you that kind of, if people come up, I and mean, there's not really, there's not. Is there is there a bit that people ask you to do if you're in the in the street? They go, oh, it's Stephen Merchant. Is there a bit that people want? You know, there isn't really. Not really, you got no. Like a signature. No, I haven't got my garlic bread or, uh, you know, or all that. Yeah. Bit. I sometimes just get really weird. Like sometimes I'll just have uh, office. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Got nothing to come back to, <laughs> and. Uh, and I think I also kind of get quite a lot of sort of white van, man, white van drivers, yeah. you know, just sort of shouting out, like, I had one recently, it was just like, e- here's a lanky streak of his! <laughs> Steve, love you, mate. <laughs> okay, it's such a uniquely British thing, that, isn't it? The kind of insult followed by the, good yeah. one, mate. Yeah. I don't, is it hard for you to go, you might, it must be hard for you to, like, be incognito in public, that, of everyone, just because of the... 
the sheer size of you. Yes, yes. Well, I, I, that's why I don't go to Glastonbury anymore, because right. that's quite intense. And I, um, the last time I went to Glastonbury was to see the, the boss, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. And uh, got down there, and it was quite intense, because obviously you say it's so tall. And then I got, and I, my friend was supposed to organise the tent. Um, and he, for some reason, screwed up. And so I found an old tent in the back of the cupboard that had never been used. And I took it down, and I opened it up, and it was like those old sort of girl guide... You know, the kind of carry-on camping tents with the yeah. poles and the, you know, which I didn't realise was not a thing now. I guess they're all kind of pop-up, yeah. sort of igloo-type tents. And so I've had to kind of, and people were kind of literally walking by, like Nelson from The Simpsons, like, hey, hey, <laughs> just laughing as I was trying to assemble this tent. And then I got it up and it was a one-person tent. <laughs> and I couldn't fit in it without my feet poking out the end. Yeah. So then I... Uh, Crawled, crawled into this tent after Springsteen. I'm just lying there, and I could just hear people like in the, in the tents next door going, "You know, you, you know, uh, in that tent next door is that uh, lanky bloke off the telly." You know, <laughs> go, go and have a look. <laughs> and so I'd just be lying there trying to sleep, and then they just hear, <laughs> just open it up and just, "Oh, it is him! It is him! Look, yeah, it's... And it just went on for like hours and hours, just. <laughs> Just people coming by like I was, like, you know, like in a Victorian freak show. <laughs> and in the end, at like three in the morning, I couldn't bear it. I just left. I just, I just, I abandoned the tent. I mean, wow. I know it's not very eco, but I just left the tent there and left. Yeah. And I assume it's still there. And <laughs> people are welcome Please. to it. Yeah. Uh, in that, in the, Out the Outlaws, when you uh, in the nightclub and you get tangled up in the chandelier, is mm. that something, it felt like that might have been something that, no, but that was like, like that was sort of yeah. thing was inspired by the walking through the glass at yeah. Sarah Silverman's in that, you know, people always think that when you do a sort of a pratfall or, or some kind of physical bit of comedy that somehow yeah. it's too broad and that would never happen. But Peyton Lee would happen because yeah. it's happened to me many times. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I'm always hitting my head on, you know, low hanging lights yeah. and, you know, whatever it might be. So, yeah, no, of course, that would definitely happen. Yeah. Must be nice. Must be nice. <laughs> Snad the other half live <laughs> up in the sky. Uh, look, it's really lovely for you to come on. I will, uh, you know, another ten years. Mm. I will build up my courage and be rude to you. <laughs> Next, I hope I have been acceptable this time. <laughs> Remember, if you don't want it to go out, you can do a Richard E. Grant and just say, "Not going out." I'm not wasting my time for a second <laughs> time. Let's put it out. God. Uh, I hope how, is, how has it gone for you? Is it, have you, have you to, to date this yeah. one? It's been okay. It's been okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's been okay. What were you hoping for that hasn't happened? Uh, no, I think it's, you've been very funny. Um, you know, it's brought up it's it's brought up a lot of the feelings from ten years ago. I was I was I was a little traumatized by the uh, by it ten years ago. So because yeah. I didn't you know I didn't mean to upset you. Yeah. Um, and, uh... Well, you were playing a character. I mean, we were <laughs> to know. It sounds like you didn't realise either. <laughs> well, I think, you know, it's interesting. In the early days of it, obviously, like, uh, when it was... When, when you know, it's, now this is a bit too successful to do, to come on and get people who are more successful than you and be rude to them. Yeah. Uh, in that sort of, what, what you know, because I can't, I can't really do that anymore. So it has changed a little bit since then. So I think there was a, there was an element of that. There was a sort of joke where I was, the joke was, you know, why, why are you doing so well? I'm doing this stupid podcast. Right, right, right. But right. now the podcast is doing all right, so I can't do that. Anymore. No, right, of course, yeah, yeah. I well, mean, my, it's, I'm not. It's not like I'm in a Hollywood party walking through people's windows. No, 
Not that successful. (laughs) (laughs) It's going all right. But no, it's, you know, it's nice. I'm really glad you came back. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, And uh, thank you for everything you've done. (laughs) (laughs) Apart from the second series of Extras, which is... um, (laughs) Which I did actually enjoy. (laughs) Never mind. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen... Please give a massive round of applause <laughs> for the... No. Uh, no, Richard. For the amazing Stephen Merchant! <laughs> Stephen Merchant! You have been listening to Alistair with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Stephen Merchant. The music is by Scant Regard. I'm indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. Uh, thank you to Chris Evans, not that one or that one. Uh, thank you to Ben Evans, not that one. And uh, thank you to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre. It's delightful to be back in this beautiful theatre. Uh, thank you to Kathleen McKeegan for her research on Hullisper.com. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz and Go Faster Stripe.com production. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. The best way to give someone a gift they'll never forget is to give a gift they'll always use. American Giant makes clothes that just keep getting better with age, like their iconic full-zip hoodie that's designed to last for decades. And a gift they'll wear for years is a gift that keeps on giving. But American Giant makes a lot more than just hoodies. They have impossibly comfy sweaters, classic tees, soft structured sweatpants, even classic everyday denim. All made right here in the USA with a quality you'll have to feel to believe. Be a gift-giving giant this holiday season at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code GRATEFULAG23. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code GRATEFULAG23. Thanks for listening. Go to GoFasterStripe.com for all your download needs. Thank you to Chris Evans, as always. Not that one. Uh, for the spectacular work he does on all of these podcasts. Uh, RichardHerring.com for all your gigs needs as well. Thanks for listening. Listen to another one. Go on, I dare you.